welcome to the DHG podcast series with a focus on life beyond numbers with topics about people, careers and flexibility. And now, here's your host, our Director of Corporate Communications and All Things Fun, Alice Gray Harrison. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of our DHG podcast series. I'm Alice Gray Harrison, your host, and I love this venue because we get to hear the things that matter the most to us, flexibility, careers, and of course, our people. We are currently celebrating Women's History Month, and I really enjoyed this month because I get the opportunity to talk to several of our amazing DHG women. Joining me today is April Bell. She's the managing partner for our Winston-Salem practice. April serves on our firm's executive committee, and she's a member of our Inclusion and Diversity Council. Welcome, April. Thank you, Alice Gray. I knew somehow I'd rope you into a podcast. (laughs) Thank you. I I appreciate the opportunity. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Okay, so let's begin talking about advocacy and sponsorship. Those are two really important topics as it relates to inclusion and diversity. Last year, you were presented with the 1DHG Award at our annual partner meeting for the work that you're doing in this critical area in terms of being an advocate and sponsoring the employees that are in your office and beyond. And so one of your team members, in particular, your wise counsel and support of this team member really made a difference in his career. Can you share more about this and why this really relates to 1DHG and all of us working together as 1DHG? Sure. So it's funny when you ask me about that because when I think back to, I guess, last fall when this all kind of came about, when it was happening and as it developed and as it happened, you know, I don't really look back at that time as having done anything unusual or different than what anybody else in the firm would have done, which I think is part of what makes us so awesome. And so I guess last fall I had an associate who sat here in Winston-Salem that worked with me a bit, and he came to me and said that he had had an opportunity to do some work with a group out of Charlotte that works with Portfolio. And he said that he had really enjoyed that work that he had done and would enjoy the opportunity to do more work with the group. So he had heard that this group was, a couple folks from the group, was they were moving to the Tampa office. And he had, we had recruited him out of Appalachian State. He was working with us here in the tribe, had been with us for about a year. And he was looking for an opportunity to maybe expand his horizons a bit and figure out really where he wanted to focus his time and energies for his own personal career development going forward. And he thought that this group, he would enjoy getting to work with them more. And so he asked me what I thought about a potential transfer to the Tampa office. And I told him that I knew that group ran hard, but I knew that there were tremendous opportunities within that group because it is growing so quickly. And I thought there were tremendous opportunities to just work in the Tampa office simply because, you know, we're in the process of really building out that office. So I told him, you know, I gave him some things to think about. I asked him to give all that some consideration and if he was up for a challenge and open to some opportunities maybe that he had not envisioned just a few months earlier, then I thought he should pursue the opportunity. And so we scheduled a few uh, phone calls with different people on that team that he would be working with and he scheduled a trip to Tampa, went down to Tampa, enjoyed you know, the time that he had down there, really liked what he saw, and we were able to 
facilitate a transfer from wow. the Winston-Salem office to the Tampa office. So a great opportunity for him. Of course, it presented some challenges for us here in the triad because he was a big part of several engagement teams. But the best part of all that was that we were able to work together between the two offices, identify the real needs that we still had in the triad, and they were able to release him for several weeks when we had significant needs to come back and and fill those needs here in the triad. So I think it was a real win-win for the firm. It really helped both markets. And most importantly, it was a huge win for him because he's been able to expand his horizons. And, And when I think back to the conversations that I had with him, During that time, what I remember most about those conversations is that he was so excited, you know, went back to the peers that he went to college with, Mm. who kind of gave him a little bit of a hard time for coming to work for us in the Big Four. He he went back to him and said, hey, guys, guess what? I'm transferring to the Tampa office. And he said they all kind of looked around and said, (laughs) what? We were supposed to have that kind of opportunity. I think that transfer that we were able to make possible, not that I made possible, but the entire team, both in Tampa and here in the Triad made possible, I think that really, you know, just supported our mission statement because we have been able to help him develop a very successful career here at DHG. Wow. And I think that's just such a great example of how this notion of advocacy and sponsorship about how it really is good for business. It is good for us as one DHG to be able to help our people build valuable careers. Yeah, absolutely. And I've talked to him. I've talked to Hayden and said, you know, um, down the road, you're not really sure. We're not sure where you're going to land or what you're going to end up doing. But I have no doubt that he is going to be a tremendous asset to the firm for many years going forward. That's wonderful. So, you know, from my perspective, I consider you a very admired leader here at DHG. And from our conversations, I know you as a female partner and now managing partner have had to come over, overcome barriers along the way. And, you know, when we talk about women in the workplace, we talk about barriers and overcoming barriers. Can you tell us about some that, of the barriers that you faced along the way or one barrier, just something that sticks out in your mind and what you've done to overcome that barrier or those barriers? Sure. I would say that most of the barriers that I have encountered throughout my career have been self-imposed barriers. And so when I think about, you know, my career progression and and what I've done over the years, when I stop and think about that, I realize that, you know, the barriers that I have come up against have been barriers that I've created myself. And and really most of those, you know, relate to self-confidence and believing in myself, knowing that I have the ability to do really anything that somebody puts me in a position to do, and I have the ability to do that. And I think it's it's easy for me to, you know, kind of doubt myself and wonder, you know, am I smart enough? Am I wise enough? Do I have the skills that I need, the experience that I need to to do what I'm sometimes asked to do? And so I think overcoming that self-confidence barrier and, you know, just believing that I have the ability to do what I need to do and what I've been asked to do. I think that's a barrier that I've had to overcome. And kind of along those same lines, I am a very proud mother of of two boys who are just about grown now. I have a 22-year-old and a 19-year-old. And so if you do the math, you'll see that I was working and, you know, started working. And after I started working, I was fortunate enough to have these two children. And I think the barrier that I created of feeling like I have to be 
all things to all people all the time yeah. and not, you know, slowing down and realizing that it takes a village and that I don't have to be, I don't have to do everything. Yeah. Um, I have a tremendous support network and if I, you know, can trust that other people can do things as well as I can, uh, most of the time, then I've been able to, to really leverage that. But that, that certainly was a barrier that I had to overcome. The struggle of, you know, believing that I have to be all things to all people all the time. I think that that's a very common barrier that a lot of women, I mean, of course, including myself, especially those of us women who are a bit type A, face, because it's hard to think that somebody could else could do as well as you could do it. I face that each and every day, um, having a three-year-old. So I want to move over to the topic of covering. I wasn't familiar with the term covering until recently, and I think it's fascinating very hot topic in the IND world. Covering often goes overlooked in the workplace because it's such a subtle experience. It happens when we mute an aspect of our identity and it's overlooked because the very nature of it, it goes undetected. So covering happens when we mask something about ourselves in order to better fit in. So we're hiding who we are authentically. We're covering who we are to fit in. And as you and I talked before this, you shared with me a story about a time when you were actually asked to cover. Would you mind sharing this story and your own view of authenticity and how important it is to success to be authentic? Yep, absolutely. So when we were talking earlier and you you know, asked me if I'd heard about covering, I was seemed like a, a pretty new topic, and I hadn't heard much about it, but when you explained what covering is, and I gave some thought to my experiences over the years, I realized that covering has been around for a long, long time. In fact, if I go back to an experience that I had when I was in college, and actually recruiting, going through recruiting, looking for a job, just goes back about 27 years, I realized that covering was around even then, and has been around, I'm sure, much longer than that, but my experience was that when I was going through recruiting at UNC Charlotte, we were interviewing with what was then the big six firm, big six firm. You know, had lots of peers that were all recruiting and interviewing with the firms. And I remember I was engaged to be married at the time. And I remember sitting at a desk in the recruiting department at UNC Charlotte. We were waiting to go in for our interviews with the different firms. And I remember my peer looked at me and she said, you're not going to wear your engagement ring into that interview, are you? And I said, well, yeah, why wouldn't I? And she said, because they're not going to want to hire somebody who is engaged to be married. They don't want people that are married to work for them. And I remember thinking, probably shouldn't even be going into the interview because why would I want to work somewhere that doesn't want me for who I am? Because I am certainly getting married <laughs> and that's not going to change. And so I told her, I said, I am wearing my I am going to wear my engagement ring into the interview because I don't want to work somebody who doesn't want me for who I am. And she kind of looked at me like I had two heads. (laughs) And I can tell you that I didn't get a job offer from the firm, but she got a job offer from the firm. So I have no idea what she's doing today, but I I had peace with that. and, And I was completely fine with that simply because I knew that what I was looking for 
was not a job. It wasn't, you know, two years at a firm that then I could move on from. I was looking for a career. I was looking for a place that I could put down some roots. I certainly didn't know that I wanted to be there, you know, for 25 plus years. But I also knew that I did want a place that I could grow and develop and, and see what comes next without feeling like I had to immediately start looking for a change as soon as I got in. So I think back to that time and, and realized that it was super important to me that I be true to myself and that I be true to the people that I'm working with, that I be as authentic as possible because it is very much a marathon. A career is not a sprint. It's a marathon. The people that we work with are become like family, and I really don't know how to be anything other than authentic because, you know, quite honestly, we work really, really hard every single day. And if I have to work in an environment like that and don't feel like I can be myself, that would just be exhausting. I I don't think I could do it. So I think being authentic is just so much easier Mm -hmm. than trying to be somebody that you're not. Absolutely. And it has served you well because from intern to managing partner, you've had a great career at DHG. Okay, so we're going to wrap, but before we do, what's one piece of advice that you'd like to share with our listeners who may just be entering the profession? Mm-hmm. I would tell people to embrace their entrepreneurial spirit. I think public accounting and DHG in particular is very much an entrepreneurial environment. And so, you know, while gaining some degree of comfort with what you're doing um, and what you're working on is important, I think more important than that is to take advantage of every opportunity that you have to create some stretch goals for yourself, maybe work outside your office or your market or even your region, and explore different service lines. Because I think the more people you know in the firm, the more experiences that you have in the firm, the more valuable you're going to be to yourself and to the firm. It just creates opportunities that you can then take advantage of as you move throughout your career. That's terrific advice. Thank you. And thank you so much for sharing your story and your background with us. Thank you, Alice Gray. I appreciate the opportunity. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. And thank you all for listening to Life at DHG, our premier podcast series. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll tell your friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out our DHG blog for more great stories about our life beyond numbers. 